comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I am joined today by you guys. Uh, Kyle had some other things come up, and so he will sadly not be joining us today. So I opened up the mailbag asked for your questions we got a couple good ones so that's where we're gonna go to uh before we do want to remind you guys like follow subscribe do all the things find me on twitter at aztec breakdown find me on youtube aztec breakdown uh you're on the podcast you can find it apple spotify uh, iheart all the things if you find us especially on apple Make sure to leave a five-star review. Really appreciate all of the, you, all of those of you that have done that. It's been wonderful. Really brightens up my day. I also, uh, you can find me on Patreon, Aztec Breakdown, and you can support the show as well. In addition to Patreon, you can support the show on Anchor specifically. Anchor has something very similar to Patreon where you can, you can uh, donate money to creators. Um, I have a new patron on Patreon, so I want to shout out and say thank you really quick to Brian Drum. Thank you very much. With all that, let's get into it. First off, we have some news. Uh, it was stated yesterday, for those of you that are listening, it was stated on Tuesday that the series against New Mexico has been canceled because New Mexico doesn't have enough scholarship players to play i guess the mountain west rules are that you have to have seven players on scholarship in order to play a game and it's not entirely clear like at least officially why new mexico was canceling it's not entirely clear like do they have players that have to sit out because of covid or something else happening from what i can gather and from just kind of like reading between the lines of the tweets and the articles that i have seen it seems like New Mexico players um, just kind of don't want to play anymore. And largely due to the virus, um, it can definitely be hard to keep playing and keep showing up to practice and stuff if you're a team that has essentially nothing to play for. Um, you know, I don't know how the culture is over there. I don't know if, if they've lost faith in the head coach or anything. But... Um, the short news is that the game is canceled and some, or the series is canceled. And some of you had asked some questions about that. We'll get to that in a minute for some happier news. Uh, I want to make sure I get the wording on this, right? But former Aztec KJ Fagan has been announced as a member of the, uh, America qualifying team, the USA America qualifying team for february 2021 kj fagan is on the roster it's a 14 player roster and he's on it and basically what it means is uh i want to say it's fiba has their has their competition every every two years right um they have they have the olympics and they have like the other the other competition that happens in between olympic years and 
there's there's a process to get your country qualified for their competition um and they've already gone through some of the games the process they do it is weird and i'm not super familiar with it but they're going to play the last two games of the qualifying rounds and kj fagan will be on that team that plays those two games um and so that's awesome major props to kj i don't recognize a lot of the other names on this list um the notable ones are isaiah thomas who used to play for like the sacramento kings and the boston celtics right the the short point guard who who got pretty close to winning mvp one year and joe johnson who played for like the atlanta hawks and later the brooklyn nets and a couple other teams i think he played for the jazz for a year or two um so those those are the two big names that i recognize i think trashon thurman used to play for nevada um but we want to you know shout out to kj if you if you see him around on social media i know he's big on twitter you know send him a congrats because that is that is awesome news for him with that let's get into these questions i'm going to start with some questions that were dm'd to me first and I'm not going to say who they're from, just in case there's a reason they were DM to me. Um, and a couple of these, I did respond to the person, at least, at least you know, part of their question over the DM. Um, which also, just as a reminder, if you guys ever just want to, just want to, you know, talk about whatever, um, you know, shoot me a DM at me, whatever on Twitter, and, and I, I love engaging with you guys. Um, but I thought these were good questions and I wanted to, to give them some more light and hopefully answer a little bit more in depth than I did too because I've had a pretty busy week so I've, I've forgotten to, to answer some of these. But the, the first question is basically uh, what do I think about Keyshad's development? And it says specifically, you know, he had a few good games earlier in the year. The one to highlight was... Uh, UC Irvine, the second game of the year, he had a really good game that game. He had some solid performances and some really flashy plays after that, um, but nothing super consistent. Says he was a non-factor against Utah State and Colorado State. I would mostly agree with that. He did have a couple good plays against Utah State. I think especially in that second game, there was a play in transition that really sticks out to me where he, he was in transition and he just attacked the hoop and Kata was kind of surprised by it because people don't normally attack him that way and he drew a foul so that was nice although i do think he missed both the free throws so there's that too um but the question is has he turned a corner or are these just bad teams and i think one thing to remember also in terms of him being a non-factor against Colorado State and and to a certain extent Utah State, is that he got hurt in that first Colorado State game. He hurt his shoulder trying to dunk the ball. Um, David Roddy came up to to contest it, and it wasn't a dirty play, but Keyshot hit the ground hard and hurt his shoulder. So you know, between being young, between getting his first like real minutes. Um, that's going to come oftentimes with a lot of inconsistency on its own. And then on top of that, adding in the injury, throwing things off that can, that can slow down a player's development. And it can always be hard to know like the answer to, to these types of questions. But I do think he is looking better and better a little bit each game. 
um, in the last couple against Wyoming were were more solid than pretty much anything else. And and he just had, you know, a game high, I want to say, in the second game against Wyoming. My memory's getting fuzzy. Um, but regardless, he had, you know, he had his, his not a game high, his, a career high in one of the Wyoming games for, for his scoring. And he's been rebounding the ball. He had a couple assists in that game too. So he's getting better, and I do think he's turning a corner. Uh, it is important to remember that progress isn't linear. And so, you know, because he's having a he's stringing together a couple good games doesn't mean he can't have an off game again. But I think that it is very promising development. And, and I wouldn't mind, especially if a rope is going to be out, um, I wouldn't mind playing Keyshad even a little bit more if he's playing well. And I kind of, on paper, I want to start him. I don't necessarily think he should be starting, but if if he's playing the way he did it in that game against Wyoming, like if he's hitting three-point shots, especially corner three-point shots, he's running around on defense, he's attacking the basket, he potentially brings a lot to the floor. And if he can hit that corner three, you can play him at the four and play Matt Mitchell at the three and have it not have it affect the spacing of the game. That's the, that's, that's the problem when, when a rope is the four and Mitchell is the three is the spacing gets all out of whack because a rope isn't a threat from out there. But Kishad right now is shooting. I'm going to double check this. I think he's six of 12 on the season, which is an incredibly small sample size. Um, he's not, yeah, six of 12 on the season. He's not going to continue to shoot 50% from behind the arc, but it's, it's, you know, it's another thing that is promising. So props to Kashad. Hopefully he can keep it up and he does seem like he's more versatile than a rope is as a power forward. And a rope is a great rebounder and a great defender, but a rope is just so interesting because defensively he can play really anywhere from like three to five and in a pinch he can probably guard one and twos also like if, if it's on a switch or something but but over the course of a game he can guard any any position small forward power forward and and even center and stretches uh but offensively he's just so limited he has to play that that center position and be close to the basket whereas Keyshad has enough athleticism has enough or as at least seeming like he has enough ability off the bounce, his ability to attack closeouts, attack the rim, um, not as much of a post-out game, but if he has that three-point shot, like I said, it's looking good. <sighs> One other question of a similar, similar thing. It's not so much of a question, it's more of a thought. Another DM. Um... If Butler continues to develop into a reliable point guard who can score, defend, and make good decisions on the floor, this Aztec team could be a Sweet 16 or even Elite 8 team. A bold prediction, but this could happen with the right matchups and good fortune. And I, I'm definitely of the opinion that with the right matchups and with a little bit of luck, um... Most any team that gets into the tournament can make a Sweet 16, right? And it's it's not likely, so some teams would need more luck than other teams. But, I mean, we just saw a couple years ago the first 16 seed beat a one seed. And it was supposed to be, like, one of the best one seeds of all time, basically, um, in a really good Virginia team. So it can happen, and especially if you're a top, 
probably 10 or 11 seed, yeah, you can definitely make a, a sweet 16 with the right matchup and a little bit of good fortune. Elite Eight gets tougher. You would need another good matchup and even more good fortune, but it's possible. Um, Butler's development has been great, and I will be 100% honest that I have been very slow to get on the Butler hype train. And it's not because I didn't see the flashes that he was showing. Um, and it's not because I didn't believe that he would get there eventually. It, it was just a matter of how fast is he going to adjust to the speed of the college game? Because he would show these great things, but then he would also have just these boneheaded plays not even boneheaded that implies like he was he was doing something dumb so that's not that's not the right thing but just i you know i pointed out how he would he would get the ball on the perimeter and he would have a wide open lane to the basket and he would start dribbling towards it and he would just lose control of the ball right something really that that should be really simple and you do stuff like that when you're just you're trying to go faster than you're used to, trying to go faster even than you have to. He didn't need to go as fast as he was trying to go, but he was. Um, and so it was just a matter of can he get used to the speed of the game? And some of that was on Coach Dutcher because to do that you need to actually play in the game. And if Coach Dutcher is pulling him out every chance that happens, or not every chance, every time that happens, Butler isn't going to get used to the speed of the game. And so in a weird way, Matt Mitchell's injury against Utah State in that first game was almost like a blessing. And I, I obviously, we don't want any player to get injured ever. Um, but just in the fact that it kind of forced Dutcher to play Butler more. And even in that, in that game against Utah State where he started, he started off kind of slow. He made one or two of those mistakes that he had been making. But once he was given the time to work through those, he ended up having a really good game against Utah State, and he's turned in a couple more really good games. He's starting to cut down on his turnovers, which is great. That's been the number one concern, basically, that I've had this whole time, is that he had a really high turnover percentage. At one point, it was at 40%, which is ridiculously high. Right now, it's down to 34%, which is still really high, but considering that that it dropped from 40 to 34 over the course of like three games. That's actually pretty good. That's a pretty steep descent. You know, that means over the course of the last three games, it's been it's been closer to like 15% or something. That's just off the top of my head, but that's that's a really good percentage. You know, for, for comparison, Trey Pulliam, who is really uh, conservative with the ball in his playmaking, uh, his turnover percentage is at 21%. So... You know, if over the last three or four games, Butler's has been at at uh, 15 or even 20, that's really good. So definitely very encouraged about Butler's progression. And that's something I said last week was like the reason I'm okay with starting him. I would be nervous about starting him if, and, and less so now, but last week and the last couple weeks really, I would have been nervous about starting him if it was a game like, uh, Boise State or if it was maybe like a like a conference tournament game like one that you really have to win and where those mistakes are going to be magnified and you can't quite cover them up as much um, because that would that would be a bummer to throw him out there and he makes a mistake that loses the game and that's still something that could happen but last week I was saying now is the time against this lower half of the conference 
to get him big time minutes and and even start him because those mistakes can be made up for elsewhere most of the time unless the other team is just going on a crazy run and so uh now is the time to start him and let him get those minutes let him work through those mistakes let him get used to the speed of the game and then come come time where we're playing Boise come time where we're in the conference tournament he will be he will be a major boon to the team both offensively and defensively his ability to to attack the basket is huge because no one else can really do it not the way he does right mid let's let's start here nathan mensa can post up a little bit that's not the same as attacking the basket though matt mitchell can a little bit with like his face-up game and his post-up game but but even then it's not the same um and he he can get there with like veteran savvy and ball handling and stuff but he's not mitchell's not the quickest guy he's not the fastest guy he's going to get there with his strength and his size and his ball handling and things like that um shackle kind of same thing but without the strength right he's going to get there by by coming off of a screen or attacking a closeout or he he has some iso ability but not as much as mitchell trey polium doesn't have the aggressive mindset or the quickness to come off those screens and really attack the basket he'll he'll do it every once in a while when it's like the perfect you know when the defense makes like that perfect mistake that lets him do it but he's not great at attacking the basket and even when he does he often pulls up in the mid-range for that floater that he loves you know so there aren't many people there's there's basically nobody on this team that can attack the basket from the perimeter but then enter Lamont Butler and all of a sudden that problem is is pretty much I, I mean it's not solved he is still a freshman but he just he adds that dimension to the team in a way that nobody else does because he has the quickness he has the ball handling ability he has the aggressive mindset um and it's still kind of early to tell what type of a shooter he's going to be at least in terms of this season he is shooting right now 35.7 percent which is which is above average league average is 33.6 percent so it's a good deal above average uh it is only on 14 shots so we'll see i don't i don't remember what or i never really knew what his his shooting percentages were in high school but it is a promising start to be sure and if he's hitting down if he's if he's knocking down those perimeter shots too if a guy like mitchell or shackle creates a shot that's that's huge as well let's get into some of these more public questions so that security guy asked if we went out and split with boise state is that enough for an at-large bid or do we need to make noise in the conference tournament and i will start off by saying i'm not a bracketologist i don't know but here is what i would think in my gut i would think that if we split with boise assuming boise stays at a quad one win and then win all the other games and let's even throw in um unlv because i think it's a safe bet that they get thrown in after the boise series because there's a week there that the mountain west added specifically for that reason so let's say they went out including those games at unlv and they split with boise state if Boise State stays at a good net, that would be a good net ranking. That would be uh, the Aztecs 
If everything else stayed the same as today, that would be the Aztecs' only quad one win. UCLA is kind of hovering around there. They need to be in the top 30. They're currently at 37, so hopefully they can win a couple games and get up into the quad one range as well. But that's really the only other shot the Aztecs have. The next best win they have is uh, Colorado State, which is at 45. That's a ways off. St. Mary's is at 64. That was on a neutral, so they only need to be in the top 50, but that's also a ways away. So they would have one quad one win, three quad one losses, and then they would have... I don't think there's another quad two opponent on the on the schedule, and so they would have four quad two wins and two quad two losses, so they would be... What is that? Five? No, sorry. Yeah, five and... Uh, five, five and five in quad one and two, which doesn't sound great. And especially knowing that there's only one quad one win, that doesn't sound that great to me. And so that would seem to imply that they would need to make some noise in the conference, in the conference tournament, right? They would need to add another win, um, against a Colorado state or a Utah state on a neutral floor to get another quad one win and then, you know, lose in, in the championship game or win the championship game, obviously, but lose in the championship game um, on a neutral floor against probably like a Boise State. And that would be another quad one loss. That's so not going to hurt you that much. That's what my gut is telling me. Sorry if that was rambling for a minute, but that's what my gut tells me. Now, that being said, everywhere I look pretty much has the Aztecs as not a lock, but... If, if this thing were to happen, basically if they don't take any bad losses, they're getting in. I think I saw uh, one of the bracketologists at ESPN say the Aztecs have uh, an 80% chance or better of making the tournament, right? And that's with their, their current, their current um, record right now, which has zero quad one wins at the moment. But they just don't have any bad losses. They're they're four and two in quad two. They have no quad one wins, but they don't have any bad losses. And so, based on that, I'm inclined to believe as long as they don't lose any bad games and and not playing New Mexico on the road kind of helps that right because that was going to be at elevation. It's not a good team, but like we've seen these conference games. Shoot, last season the Aztecs had arguably the best team in the history of of the program and they almost lost to san jose state right it took a game-winning shot by malachi flynn so these things can happen so with new mexico canceling the series that that removes that possibility of losing to them after new mexico at san jose state at home fresno state on the road and then boise state at home and like i said i'm assuming unlv will be thrown in there probably on the road so as long as you don't lose to San Jose State, Fresno State, or UNLV, I think the Aztecs are in. Um, they also, you wouldn't want them to lose, probably not like the first game of the tournament, but then again, even if the Aztecs are a five seed, that means they're playing for, well, but actually that would be like a best case scenario with the conference this year. So if the Aztecs are a two or three seed and they're playing a six or seven seed and they lose in the first game, that could be bad because then they're losing to who even would that be? It wouldn't be Nevada, maybe Wyoming or UNLV, right? So you wouldn't want to lose. That would be another bad loss, essentially. Um, 
but basically don't lose any bad games and you're in so don't lose to any of the bad teams win at least one game in the conference tournament and they should be in is what all the experts seem to be saying and i'm gonna run with it so that was that security guy got two people essentially asking the same question one is ben coltrane which I don't even think Ben listens to this podcast because he's a Utah State fan, but he follows me and I appreciate it. And he's always been nice to me, at least. So there's that. And then Herbert for Rookie of the Year or Herbert for Roy. I'm pretty sure it's Rookie of the Year, though, are basically both asking uh, with the New Mexico games canceled, do the Aztecs try to fill in that time with, with another game, right? The Aztecs game against San Jose State isn't until February 8th. That is six days from when I'm recording. That's five days from when hopefully most of you are listening to this. Do the Aztecs try and fill it in? Yes, they absolutely do. They do try and fill it in. And in fact, I saw right before I started recording, John Schaefer had tweeted out that Coach Dutcher has been on the phone with a number of head coaches, Mark Few being among them, uh, seeing if they can get a game scheduled. And... It's, it's just going to be hard to do it because that's not a very big window. You have to figure out the game, the time, the travel, who's going where. You have to figure out just a lot of stuff, and it's a short time to do it. It can be done. We've seen this Aztecs team do it before with the, the Pepperdine game, I believe it was. That was scheduled on short notice. But it wouldn't be easy. I don't think it will happen. I think Coach Dutcher is isn't going to just schedule a team just to schedule a team um he might if it was somebody like uh like a non-division one team because those don't count against you so even if you lose in theory it shouldn't hurt your chances um so he might do that just as a tune-up just to keep fresh but in terms of division one opponents it would need to be somebody who wherever they play would rank as a quad one opponent right and i say that because the quad one changes depending on where you play but so they could play gonzaga anywhere you'd want to play them at home but you can play them anywhere um if it was a team like i don't know i don't know who's like 50 in the net right now but if it was a 50 net team you'd want to play them on their courts that way it would still count as quad one because like i said earlier if you lose in quad one, it's not going to hurt. But if you win, now they have that quad one victory to really build that resume on. So that's good. Um, so there's that. And I think the last question, <laughs> the last question is from FlyFit Jeremiah, who just asked, how come the voters hate us? Assuming the AP Top 25 haters, or not <laughs> haters, <laughs> the AP Top 25 voters, um, I think it's a couple things, right? And and number one is obviously like the East Coast bias and them not staying up late enough to watch us on TV, all that stuff. I do think there's something to that. I think the other part of it is kind of what I just described. Like the Aztecs, when you look at their their team sheet and where I go to is I go to warrennolan.com, W-A-R-R-E-N-N-O-L-A-N.com. You can look at their team sheet, and like I said, they don't have any quad one wins. So according to this, they haven't really beaten anybody that good. They're, like I said, their best one was UCLA, who is a who is ranked 37 in the net. And at home, that counts as a quad two win. 
I could make an argument that all games should be considered neutral games this year if there's no fans in the on the court. I'm not going to, but I could. Um, and that would bump up UCLA to quad one. But that, I think, for somebody who doesn't watch all the games, and it, there's no real way to be able to watch all the games you need to watch to to make a truly informed opinion on the rankings. But for somebody that doesn't watch all those games, if you're looking at the record, the record looks solid, right? They they have some good victories, but according to the team sheet, no great victories. And so that's what it would be. And I, I know, like, especially early in the year, people were saying, we beat UCLA. We beat the probable Big West champion in UC Irvine. We beat another good team in Pepperdine. We beat St. Mary's on a neutral, and that's all true. But, like, beating the Big West champion doesn't actually matter for that much. They're 112 in the net right now. It's a quad three victory. I'd mentioned St. Mary's earlier being being quad two on a neutral. UCLA is, like, the only really, really good win, and even that's a quad two win. So um, if you want to know why the voters hate us, that is why um, they should start to come around. The AP poll that was released a couple days ago for you guys had the Aztecs get a couple votes. So as long as they keep winning, even if they're winning against bad competitions, as long as they keep winning, they'll keep moving up. And that is where the New Mexico game being canceled actually hurts is just because you can't, you can't rack up those wins. Um, hopefully the Aztecs can find a way to schedule a Texas or a Michigan or somebody else in the top 25. Um, and then, and then beat them on top of it, right? It's not enough to schedule them. You have to beat them. But this team, when they're playing at their best, is absolutely capable of that. So that is a thing. With that, Aztec fans, man, I am out of breath. I need to work out more. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to go leave those five-star comments, the like, the subscribes, the Patreon, the anchor, all that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I was going to think of a question to ask you guys to hit me up on Twitter with, and I cannot think of one. But regardless, hit me up on Twitter with whatever your thoughts are. I really appreciate it, and I will catch you guys next time. Mm -hmm.